welcome to the Bikers Church Midrand Podcast. It's great to have you join us for this week's episode. We hope that you find this valuable for your daily life. A very warm welcome to you and thank you for joining us as we wrap up our series, More Than Just a Decision. Now in the series, we've been joining the dots between asking good questions, making better decisions, and living with fewer regrets. Because the truth be told, our decisions don't just impact our own lives, they impact the lives of our loved ones, the people that we care for and, and, and love the most in life. So making decisions should be a pretty big deal for us. As a result, in the series, we've asked ourselves a couple of really tough questions. The first question that we ask ourselves is the integrity question. The integrity question is, am I being honest with myself really? Am I being honest with myself really? You see, you'll never get to where you want to go if you're not willing to be honest with yourself about where you currently are. So am I being honest with myself really? The second question was the legacy question, which is, what story do I want to tell? When the decision that I'm busy making right now is nothing more than a story I tell, then what is the story that I want to tell? What is the story that I want my kids to tell about me? What is the story that I want my grandchildren to tell about me? What story do I want to tell? The third question is the conscience question. The conscience question is, is there a tension that deserves my attention? Meaning, you're about to accept that job offer, you're about to take on that, that business contract, uh, you're about to ask that significant person out, and everyone in your life is cheering you on and saying, go for it, it's gonna be so good for you. But if you're honest, there's something that doesn't feel right. There's, there's something that's bothering you. And this question tells us to let it bother you. Let it bother you until you know why it's bothering you. You'll never be sorry you did. Is there a tension that deserves your attention? The fourth question is the maturity question, which is what is the wise thing to do? Not the legal thing to do, not the moral thing, the ethical thing, not the not wrong thing to do. Because the truth be told, we can make decisions that are not wrong, but also not wise all at the same time. What we're asking is, what is the wise thing to do? And that leads us into our fifth and final question for the series being the relationship question. Now, as we think around all the questions that we have asked ourselves in the series, we've had to, to ask some really uncomfortable questions as we've had to look deep inside and do some introspection and just be honest 
with ourselves. Why? Because the truth is you're trying to create a better future for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones around you. I'm wanting to do the same. And as we envision the future moving forward, we've got someone in that future with us. <laughs> like you envision someone significant being in that future with you. And if you ask, answer honestly and act courageously on this question, this question has the potential to keep that significant person with you moving forward into that future that, you, that you've envisioned. And if they're not there yet, this question will help you find that person to share that, fu that future with. If we ask, answer, and then act on this question, this question has the potential to positively impact every relationship in our lives. It has the potential to restore relationships that have fallen away, to, to bring healing to relationships that have been broken. And it also has the potential to rekindle that flame of romance in the most important relationship in our lives with our spouse, if it's kind of just dwindled over the years. But I have to give you a disclaimer right now. You see, all four of the questions that we've asked up until now, they've, they've all come with like a guaranteed return of, uh, on investment. But what do I mean by that? Well, isn't it true that you'll always come out ahead by discovering why you're doing what you're doing, really. You'll always have something to show for writing a story worth telling, a really good story. There will be a positive, often measurable return on paying attention to the tension and to doing the wise thing. But when it comes to our fifth and our final question, we don't have that same guarantee. You see, our fifth and our final question is different. There may be no tangible, no measurable, or even noticeable uh, return on your efforts with answering this question. While the first four are, are just demanding in the moment that we have to ask them, this fifth question is pretty much demanding from the time you open your eyes in the morning to the time that it shuts your eyes at night. And the reason for that being is that this fifth and final question isn't there to make your life better. It's not there to make my life better. This fifth and final question is there to make the lives of the people that we love the most better. It's there to make the lives of the people around us better. But if we are willing to ask, answer, and act on this question, it also has the potential to transform the world around us. So right now, let's get into the relationship question. Jesus, the night before he's going to be crucified, the night that he is betrayed, he's sitting in a room around a table with those closest to him, those that he loved the most, 
uh, and he's breaking bread with them. He's having a meal with them. And he starts to speak to them about what's about to unfold. He starts to speak to them about the future that he foresees, the future that he's inviting them into. And as Jesus is, is speaking to them about this, all of them are expectant that something's going to change. In fact, they were all hoping that there would be this political transformation, that, that one day they would see Jesus sitting on a, on, on a Jewish throne and that Rome would, would be done away with because of what he does. But you see, Jesus had so much more in mind. His picture, his vision for all of this was just so much bigger than that. So Jesus sits with them and he starts to speak to them. And what he says to them next is huge. But yet somehow we miss out on how big it is. Somehow over the years, it's lost its impact in our lives. The, the gravity of what Jesus says to his disciples in that moment, we kind of brush over today. The truth be told, as I say to you now, there's a, a temptation for you to go, oh yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Okay, I, know, I now know what you're talking about. And for us to kind of switch off right there and then. But what's crazy for me is that when we consider what Jesus says next, it is the very thing that you and I run to, that you and I cling to in our worst moments, in, in those moments where we fall, in those moments where we sin, in those moments that we'd hate for other people to see or to experience or to know about. It's in that moment that we run to these words of Jesus. So right now, I'm going to ask you to try and forget everything you know about these words and to try and envision yourself sitting around that table with those men and to, to envision yourself hearing these words for the very first time as Jesus says to them and says to you and to me, a new command I give you. A new command I give you. Now in truth, they didn't need a new command. They had 620 commands that they had to deal with already. And besides, just the other day, Jesus had kind of summed all of them up in two. Love God, love people. <laughs> Why do we need another one? Why add a third? Like, don't we have enough already? But you see, Jesus wasn't adding one. He wasn't adding another, another uh, command to the commands that already exist. No. Jesus was doing something far more radical than that. Jesus was replacing the existing ones with this. As he carries on and says, A new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. And here's that moment where we kind of have the, the, the tendency to want to switch off. But stop and think about this. What Jesus was commanding the disciples in the moment to do and what he's commanding us to do here today 
He wasn't commanding them to feel something. (laughs) No, Jesus was commanding them to do something. Big difference. Not to feel something, but to do something. But love wasn't really new for its time. He'd already said that. Love one another. So, so how's this new? Okay, yeah, we mustn't feel it. We must do it. But how's this new? Well, Jesus carries on. And what Jesus says next is kind of the basis for our fifth and final question. Where he says, as I have loved you. A new command I give you, that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. That's new. That's new. You see, when you and I think of how I have loved you, what do you think of? As I said that right now, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of the crucifixion, aren't you? You're thinking about that moment where Jesus dies on the cross and restores relationship between us and and God. But for the disciples in their day, (laughs) they didn't know about that. That hadn't happened yet. That's only happening tomorrow for them. When Jesus said, love one another as I've loved you, immediately their minds go back to the past three years. And they start to think about how Jesus loved them personally, loved them individually. He could have gone around the room and and, and selected them one by one and asked them, hey, how did I love you? How did I love you? I can only imagine Matthew sitting there thinking to himself, man, I think back to the day when Jesus found me sitting at my tax collecting booth. And and (laughs) a, a, a traitor to my people doing the bidding of Rome, stealing from my people. I mean, I was a thief for heaven's sakes. And then on top of all of that, Jesus says, he doesn't just speak to me, but he says, come, follow me. Whenever I followed anyone, they'd run away because they'd think I want to steal their money. But here this man comes and he invites me into relationship. He invites me to come and follow him. That's how he loved me when no one else wanted to be close to me. He invited me in. Peter, sitting there thinking to himself, man, I was cleaning nets when Jesus found me. I was in my father's trade because no rabbi thought me worthy of, of, of inviting me in to learn from them and to follow them. When no one wanted me, Jesus wanted me. All those men could have sat and thought about how Jesus loved lepers, went and engaged with, with their, 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 their rotting, disgusting wounds and put his hands on them and loved them and embraced them and healed them. And that's how he loved them. Meeting with the woman at the well, meeting with a woman caught in adultery, both of them living lives that, 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 that became so public and everyone knew the lives that they'd been living with. And yet Jesus engages them and loves them and says to the woman caught in adultery, where are your accusers? Lord, I have none. I don't accuse you either. Now go and leave your life of sin. Like that's how Jesus loved people. And in that moment, Jesus is looking at them and he's saying, now go and love others in the exact same way.
You see, Jesus didn't leverage his godness. He didn't leverage the fact that he's God to motivate them to love. No. No, Jesus leveraged his sacrificial love for them and for us to love the people around us the way that we should. I loved you this way, so now go and love others in the same way. And this leads us to our fifth and our final question, the relationship question, which is, what does love require of me? And if you've been around church with us for a while, you'll know this question well. But what does love require of me? My prayer for you and for me is that this question would, would, would be the question that we allow to guard our thinking, that, that we allow to kind of be that compass for the road ahead. Uh, that we'd allow this question to inform how we date, how we parent, how we, uh, how we manage, how we friend, how we engage with the people around us. You see, this question eliminates our excuses. It moves us from saying stupid things like, yeah, but the Bible doesn't say. Well, that's not the question. The question is, if Jesus said that we must go and love the way that he loved us, then what does love require of me? What Jesus is essentially saying to us is that we should do unto others as God through Jesus has done unto us. So, what does love require of me? No, really. <laughs> like, what does love require of me? Well, Paul the Apostle, in his letter to the church in Corinth, he kind of spells that out. It's like he was asking himself that same question. And he goes and spells out what love requires of us. Where he says that love requires patience. Love doesn't push people. It doesn't rush the process. No, love is patient. He says that love requires kindness. Uh, Love requires the kindness that, that, that responds to, to weakness with kindness. So when others are weak, I respond with kindness. It's like kindness is the choice to loan others our strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. It's doing for others what they cannot do for themselves. He says that love requires us to keep envy and pride from interfering with our ability to celebrate the success of others. Love requires us to allow others to shine. L love requires us to, to not be threatened by someone else's success. Love requires us to show honor to others. Let's really lean into this next one. Love never treats another person dishonorably, disgracefully, 
or indecently. Love never treats any other person dishonorably, disgracefully, or indecently. Love doesn't create regret. Love requires selflessness. That's what love requires of me. Love is not selfish or self-seeking. It puts the interests and needs of others first. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. <laughs> it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love requires us to see and believe the best while choosing to downplay the rest. Paul says that love is not easily angered. It doesn't allow my, my anger to flow over on others publicly. No, I deal with it privately. Love requires us to forgive. Paul says that love always protects. See, love requires us to do everything in our power to protect the relationship that we are dealing with in that moment. If we can translate it this way, love doesn't smuggle harmful things into a relationship. Just the opposite. Love keeps harmful things out. And even though this list is not for the faint at heart, isn't it true that as we spoke through that, that is the exact way that you want to be loved? Isn't that exactly the way that you want your, your spouse to love you? The way that you want your kids to love you? The way you want your parents to love you? The way that you want your friends, your co-workers, the man on the street to love you? And as that's the way that we want to be loved, that should be a very clear indicator for us that that is what love requires of us. In his book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, Andy Stanley kind of makes a little rhyme out of this that I think is great uh, to help us remember it as well. He says it this way. He says, when unsure of what to say or do, ask, what does love require of you? When unsure of what to say or do, ask, what does love require of you? Ladies and gentlemen, what does love require of you? We need to ask it. We need to answer it honestly. And then we need to act on it courageously. The truth be told, there's no such thing as winning an argument. No one wins in an argument, especially when family is involved. I've paid the school fees on that one. The truth be told, you may be in a situation right now where you were right. You made sure that you were right, but you lost the relationship in the process. On my wedding day, I was given some advice. The advice is this. Ramon, from today, 
You have the right to give up your right to be right. You can win the argument and lose the relationship. Or you can realize the argument isn't there to be won and protect the relationship. The choice is yours. Ladies and gentlemen, we write the stories of our lives one decision at a time. Let's write a good one. So you may have been right and you may have lost the relationship in the process. What's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe you need to turn to the person next to you right now. Sorry, I know that's kind of awkward. Or maybe that person didn't even want to sit next to you today and they're in the other room. You may need to go into that room or you may need to pick up the phone and have a conversation or, or set up a coffee appointment, go sit down with a person. And you may just need to say, I am sorry. Not because you were wrong, but because you didn't do what love requires of you. See, ladies and gentlemen, we all mess up in this area. We all make mistakes. But we must never forget your past can remind you, but it doesn't have to define you. You can choose how you respond moving forward. We all get to write the story of our lives and it's our decisions that'll write that story one decision at a time. Ask it, answer it honestly and act on it courageously. Throughout the series, we have asked ourselves five questions. Am I being honest with myself, really? What story do I want to tell? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? What is the wise thing to do? And then lastly, what does love require of me? Father God, I thank you that throughout this series, Lord, we could really just allow you to challenge our thinking, to challenge our innermost being. Lord, to ask ourselves some really uncomfortable questions and then to be honest with answering them. And Lord, I thank you that you continue to give us the courage to go and act on those answers, Lord. Lord, I thank you that as we're stepping out of this series, Lord, we don't leave these questions here, but Lord, that we will allow you to keep us mindful of these questions, that we can ask ourselves really good questions, that we can answer those questions honestly, and that we'll go out daily and act on them courageously so that we can love with fewer regrets, so that we can impact the lives of our dearest loved ones and the people around us positively. That ultimately, that the story that we all get to tell is a really, 
really worthwhile story. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this series. If you'd like to reach out to us, please do so over social media. Um, We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week. Cheers. We trust that you found this message valuable. For more information on who we are or how you can get involved, please check out our website at bikerschurchmidrand.co.za or connect with us through social media on Facebook or Instagram. Beyond that, have a great day.